Greetings, I'm Larry Walsh, and this is Pod 2112, the official podcast of the 2112 Group, where we talk with industry executives, thought leaders, and influencers about the trends shaping the market and the world around us. Data, or at least information, is the fuel of business. Executives and managers want data and intelligence to make better sense of the world around them, understand business opportunities and potential sales, and ensure they miss no chance to excel. When it comes to sales and marketing, businesses use applications such as Customer Relationship Management, or CRM, marketing automation platforms, project management systems, professional services automation and job ticketing systems, and more to ensure efficient and effective operations. And through these systems, businesses gain valuable data and intelligence for understanding their businesses and for strategic decision making. Generating and collecting data is hard, but it's not the hardest part. Getting all these disparate systems to communicate with each other is. And the process of integrating these systems for effective data processing and analysis is challenging. And even then, setting up the systems to identify opportunities and challenges require a deft hand. Many vendors are introducing machine learning and artificial intelligence as a means for sorting through the mountains of data generated by various operation systems. Zoho, a company that pioneered cloud-based business applications, recently released a new platform, Zoho CRM Plus, which provides users with greater integration of related applications for managing sales, marketing, customer support, and operations. An underlying component is Zia, Zoho's artificial intelligence assistant that can analyze and report on trends and events and uncover the interlinked data. Joining us on Pod 2112 is Vijay Sudaram, Chief Strategy Officer at Zoho, who will shed more light on how artificial intelligence and automation will improve the way businesses manage sales and customer relationships. And with that, Vijay, welcome to Pod 2112. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Larry. Zoho's been around for for a while. I mean, it, it's you're not new to the market, but it seems like you're increasingly bringing your applications together. What's what's driving you to bring you know more than just your improvement upon your CRM? What's bringing you to take your disparate applications, your social, your marketing, um, your account management, these under a single pane of glass? Let's start with the first part of what you said, here, Larry, about us about the company coming into its own. Sure. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell once brought up this issue. I don't know that he originated it. He talked about how it took about 10,000 hours for somebody to get good at something. He was talking about individuals like musicians and artists and so on. And I think that kind of thinking applies to companies as well. It takes a certain amount of time before you really get good at something. And in our judgment, it's about 10 years. So we've been in this cloud business about 11 years now, 11 or 12 years. and things are now starting to come into its own. So what was initially a strategy that was putting together several products has evolved into something that puts products out that are integrated, that serve a bigger customer problem and actually make a more unified view of the customer available to the organization. So that's been the driving force behind this. The other thing I'd like to add is you talked about what brings things together on the single pane of glass. Let's remember something. It's the companies that actually organize themselves into departments and processes. So they do this to serve customers in the name of efficiency. The customers never ask for that. They never ask to be dealt with different groups when they work with companies. So in a sense, what a company does when working with its customers today is it exports its own organizational chart. So what happens as a consequence? You start to see that information fissures break out between these different departments. A salesperson, because he's in a sales organization, 
has no context into the discussions that a customer may have had with a marketer in a different department. A support person would not have context on a specific ticket they're working on with the customer because they really don't know the importance of the customer or the relevance of the customer to the organization because that information is now stored somewhere else in a sales organization. So what happens is information gets siloed and decisions become suboptimal. And as a consequence, not only does the company make poor decisions, their customer suffers because they see different windows into the company rather than a unified interface. So this is the recognition that has driven Zoho to put all these applications together under, as you call it, a single pane of glass to provide that unified view to the customer and on the other side of the same coin to allow the customer to have a unified view of the company they do business with. You know, I, I hear what you're saying about the customer not asking for this because you're right, companies do tend to create their own silos and it's not necessarily a bad thing because management structures are, are needed to ensure continuity and efficiency. But is there recognition? Did you see that there's a recognition amongst them that they need to be able to reach across these silos into these different these different types of data and data sets to gain a better understanding of the customer? Uh, absolutely. And maybe a couple of examples would put this in order, right? So think of how a support organization works today. So they get a stream of tickets. Uh, how they are measured today are the way that, you know, uh, uh, how how uh, manufacturing systems were measured, which is process, throughput, uh, number of uh, tickets per hour, stuff like that. So those were the metrics that were applied to humans delivering this job to their customers. But what about the context? So think of this, this set of tickets that are coming into the support group. Now, if a support person actually knows that this ticket is from a customer who's been with us for 10 years, or this ticket is from a customer who's engaging with us on a bigger project. Or this ticket is from a customer who supported us in the past in these ways. They might deal with that ticket a little bit differently. So what happens is the decision they make on that particular ticket or customer changes as a consequence of the information they had that came in from a different system. So yes, in a sense, customers are feeling that their decisions are suboptimal when they work with the information just trapped within that functional silo of the company that they represent. So this is still an immense amount of information. I can tell you from being a user of these systems, mm -hmm. there's a lot, of, even in small organizations, it's amazing the amount of data in the amount of information, notes, calendars, social activity that accumulates very quickly. How is it that you're helping or how do you think different groups should be should be looking at how to normalize and and, and address this information more effectively to, to produce a better outcome? Well, that's a great question, Larry. This is absolutely true. Today, you have so much of information being collected across so many groups. A lot of it is automated. A lot of it is online. So the human is completely overwhelmed. They have to process an incredible amount of information. Here, we're talking about integrating information from other groups too. So the flip side of what I said is now the support person has information that came from the sales side, which is why you see the evolution of these products doesn't stop with just the products and their features. It builds together informational systems like analytics, like AI on top of it. Because what is the role? This goes back to the issue of AI in business, right? 
fundamentally the role of, of AI and analytics and all these informational systems has to be that it organizes this information better and presents it in ways that identifies problems or drives insights simply because humans cannot handle that, uh, the proliferation of information that you pointed out. So that's, it's not just enough to provide these applications that bind together this information from different groups. You need to provide that layer on the top that allows the humans working at this to understand what's important, what's relevant, what should I pay attention to. There's several such primitives today. You can think of prediction algorithms by AI. You can think of workflow automation as another example. You could think of uh, red lights, green lights, and orange lights, which indicate uh, to a support person the different levels of severity across the tickets they're dealing with. So these are the kinds of things that, so when you're looking at this system, you have to look at it and you have to look at the entirety of it. It's the process capabilities at the bottom. It's the information organization, the layer on, above it. And it's the it's the analytics and the AI that sit at the topmost layer so humans are not inundated with all the information that these systems actually bridge. So talk, talk to us a little bit more about Zia because this is your, your artificial intelligence assistant. What does that do within the, the, the Zoho CRM Plus platform? How does that help facilitate this automation and, and surfacing this information that humans need to act on immediately? You know, it's actually fairly simple, Larry. You know, when you look at what an, an, an AI system should do, Zia is uh, Zoho's AI system, and it works across all our products. Uh, what an AI system should do is it's, it's, it's fairly simple, and I'll, I'll break it down to something that, that, that people can relate to. We should think of it as a few classes of issues that it should address. The first one I can think of is work that humans would actually find boring and would rather not do. So no matter what your work, right? You can think of your own work, Larry, or I can think of mine. And there's stuff that I do every day that's repetitive that I'd rather not do. So that's one class of work. The other thing is I have work that's hard to do. And we just talked about the information proliferation today. I can't analyze or process large amounts of data because inherently humans are not set up to do that. So that's another role of what an AI system can do. And I'd get, put another third example on the table, which is to help in prediction and sorting of data. So this way, the focus is not just on taking off, taking away the mundane. The focus is on allowing, presenting, and condensing information so the humans can make better decisions. So let me break that down into some examples and in how they might apply into, a, into the user experience suite that Zoho provides through CRM+. So take the case of marketing. So what happens when a lead comes in? You know, somebody, a marketer on the forefront handling a lead, uh, let's actually assume they have a lead management system and they have actually some automation. Those leads are tracked and they come in. So what do they do? They tend to do the same set of things, right? So the lead comes in, they may either take it themselves, they may assign it to someone else, they may set up a follow-up date, they may set a reminder, they may set up something else on their calendar in two weeks, they may have to apply a score against it, whatever the process that organization has chosen to take up to follow the leads. Now you can see this process is highly repetitive and it's also error prone because I just outlined three or about four or five steps and it's very easy for me to have missed out one of them. So that's a perfect place for an AI system to step in. In fact, an AI system should simply watch you work and recognize that this is what you do every time and propose that this is a workflow that can be automated for you. 
And this is one of the things that Zia does in the context of, of our CRM. So let me take another example in sales. So you're working on a number of deals and uh, in a large organization, it's likely that you can be working on dozens of deals. What should you actually look at? What should you focus, at, right? focus on, right? Once again, you're looking at a proliferation of information. So what an AI system can do and what Zia does is takes, looks at all these deals and puts them into buckets, sort of what people call a Kanban view on your system and tells you, okay, here are some deals based on your past experience with similar deals. Maybe it's to do with the stage they're in or the time they took to get to that stage or whatever, that these are the deals that are likely to close for you. Let's think of three categories, uh, which is exactly what Zia does. Deals that are likely to close for you, deals that sound iffy. So maybe they are 50-50. And then it could put a third category of deals. It puts in a third category of deals, which is deals that are at risk. Now, what has the AI system done? It's presented information in ways that allows you as a human to make uh, a better decision. And that decision really depends on you. You, Larry, might make a different decision from me. So I might decide that uh, the ones that are likely to close are, are, are fine with me, and I'm really going to go after the one or two big deals and the ones that are at risk. And that's the best way for me to make my number. Another manager might look at this and say, let's go after the 50-50s. And I'm just going to take the deals that are at risk. And I know this one or two people in my sales team that are really dogged at this. And I'm going to put them only on that category. That's a different decision a manager might make. So, so what you've seen is an AI system that has presented information on, on deals, allowing humans to use their own intuition and experience to come up with the right decision to handle that. So you can see similar examples in customer support. You can see an AI system, and Zia does this as well. Zia looks at, uh, at uh, uh, discussions or chats, looks for keywords, makes an assessment of what the sentiment looks like, marks the sentiment against the customer on that chat record. And over time, you could actually look at the sentiments of your customers, how they're changing over time, or look at a single customer and, and see how the sentiment with them has changed over time. Alternatively, Zia could help you, again, in the support context, uh, be an assistant to, to customer replies. Customer asks a question, Zia recognizes it's a standardized question, uh, digs into a, knowledge, into a knowledge base, pulls out the information, suggests an answer. And an extreme uh, example of that is the chatbot, which handles the whole support process, and Zia provides chatbots as well in the support system. So that's what you do. You handle the situations that humans would rather not do or provide information that allows humans to make better decisions. And those are some of the examples that we've seen in the sales Yeah, I can appreciate that, but I guess the, the, the question is, is which comes first? Does the, does the artificial intelligence or the machine learning or whatever algorithm you want to plug in here that says this is a potential problem or does the organization have to establish its own thresholds for what is a, what is a good, a, a moderate and a bad state before you, can, before you can actually have an effective execution? That's a great question. And, and you, could, you could see, let's, uh, I'll try and take two examples of that. Think of, think of uh, an automation of a workflow. So why is it, workflows have become increasingly important today? Because uh, one big source of corporate differentiation is the way they handle the business process. Because everybody now has access to the same type of software. Everybody has access to 
the same type of information. So the way companies have started to differentiate themselves is through differentiated processes. So software has followed that. And as a consequence, we have a product, something called Blueprint, that is within our user, uh, user experience platform, Sierra Plus, that allows people to mimic a process. Now, to get back to your question, people could use Blueprint and mimic a process. How do you tell if that process is ideal or not? So is the, a, which one comes first? So you could take an example of, say, a support process. You've modeled it under this workflow. You look at it over time. And this, one of the consequences of Blueprint is it allows you to analyze this workflow over time. So it can tell you, for example, your workflow has defined these four stages. And having observed you in the last six months, you're spending 43% of your time on this stage. Now, it's up to the human or the company to look at it and decide if that is an issue or not. So maybe it is, it, it, it is throwing light on a potential bottleneck and they need to do something about it. You know, either change the process, reform the process itself, or maybe add, flex some resources and add them back to dislodge that bottleneck. Alternatively, the AI system can now observe humans having made this change over time and, and notice that something else has happened in the process at a different stage and isolate that. So here's an example of a system that has evolved through corrections made on both sides, or at least uh, indications of, of bottlenecks or resource constraints made from either side. Does that get to what you're talking to, Larry? Yeah, I, I believe so. I think that because it really is, is about you can take a system like this and you can bring it into an organization, but if, if it's not layering over a process, then it doesn't matter. It, it's if I'm hearing you correctly, it doesn't matter because if there's no process in place, then there's it's hard to actually measure whether or not there is efficiencies, whether you're above or below the line. Exactly right. Exactly right. In fact, in my experience, that's one of the big constraints in, in uh, from people getting value out of their CRM systems because they actually haven't defined a good sales process. So there's only so much you're going to get out of the system. So one thing, the onus on on these tools is really to allow organizations to focus not on how to use the tool or get trained on the tool, but to focus on how to set up their processes so that these tools can work with them and uncover the, the and, and help them improve those processes and bring information to those processes. But it's still left to the organizations to figure out what are the most effective processes that work. The sales process for a construction company would be different from the sales process for a software company, even though both of them might use the same software to enable that. Is this where Zoho Partners come into play? Is that they, it's not the necessarily the implementation of your platform, but the, do they help you with the, the development of these processes and this, this, these controls to be able to maximize the benefit of your, of your platform? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the partners, uh, partners is the Zoho partners work with customers in, in, at the gamut of the customer engagement process. So they start early in the process, you know, providing advisory services, consulting, and so on. And as they engage the customer from a prospecting to an acquisition process and finding a support process, they get into things like implementation, integration, understanding their workflow, helping them model that, and especially when you have a set of products like you have, a, a number of products like you have under CRM Plus, it becomes paramount to understand where the customer should start, which problem should they try to streamline or improve first, which process should they improve first, and then later on the other thing. So it allows the company to uh, 
train more easily, to adapt more easily, to cause less rejection of software, which, as you know, is a very common thing. People implement systems, put it together, and then the users actually don't want to use it because it's too complicated or it changes too many things at once. So, yeah, that's the role that our partners play. We have hundreds of partners around the globe and working across a number of countries, and this is what they do. Do you foresee a time as you continue to develop your platform and the, the, the AI tools get better, do you foresee a time where the AI starts making corrective actions or helps your customers define better processes independent of what they've established? Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> One example goes back to, to, the, to, to the bottleneck example I pointed out. You know, so you have a, you've defined a process uh, if you are a person, if, if, you're, if you're skilled in, in, in process and operations, you would learn to look for certain things. You would learn to look for constraints. You would learn to look for bottlenecks in any process. And people are paid a lot of money to do this stuff. So in this case, you can have an AI system that simply understands that you find a process and the process has these pathways and it identifies that certain pathways are getting clogged more often than not. So that's the kind of thing it can do and provide that information that, uh, that, that, the, that helps the organization run this, uh, run this more efficiently. So that's one example of an efficiency the system can bring. Another one is in the area of prediction. We talked a little bit about how predicting how deals close. Uh, you can predict things uh, around, uh, for instance, take a, take a support system. If you have an AI system that's sitting on top, and watching all the tickets that come in from different countries against different products, it can become predictive. It can start to look at, say, the average performance over a period of time and, uh, and start to say that today is a, is a Friday and you're dealing with business coming from these countries. This is what you're likely to see. So it can predict what the, uh, what the volume of incoming tickets could be so you can start to manage your resources at the start of the day by looking at that prediction. So that's another example of something the system can do over time once it has learned how your particular implementation of the product is working for your company. Yeah. Looking forward, though, I mean, we started this conversation talking about the complexity of of siloed organizations, siloed applications, and the need to tap into broader data sets for better for better analytics and better decision making. Do you foresee a time going forward that you'll be able to to that or that any organization will be able to operate a sales uh, process or a social process or marketing without having this level of integration, without increasing its AI skills and integration support? Uh Actually, I don't. I think once things, uh, integrated systems come out where people start to see that the system has merged processes and merged people within the organization, it would be hard to go back. And that's simply because people will start relying on these systems to do the work for them, like I was talking earlier, work that they don't want to do or find uninteresting, or work that actually helps them focus on their decision. Uh, think of a logistics manager, for example. If uh, they are managing complex logistics for a large company, multiple transportation nodes, multiple distribution centers, and uh, when they come in in the morning, wouldn't it be great if there's a dashboard that just simply tells them, looks at, looks at uh, their work for the day and tells them, here are the, here are the different, uh, uh, the, the different uh, uh, gives them a sense of what their routes look like. Here are the things that look like red lights to you today. 
and here are the things that are green. I know your setup. These are the different uh, shipment points. These are the different modes you use. Here are the places you transshipment. As of today, Wednesday, I'm seeing these red flags and these uh, orange flags and these uh, things that look green and you don't need to worry about. So what does that do to fundamentally the way this person works? The system now becomes their dashboard. That is their operating system for work. So when they come in in the morning, just as you would as, as an automobile, as a, as, a, as a driver of a car, you might look at your dashboard to get, get a sense of what you need to do or how your system is working. This is what the AI system does for their logistics. It simply puts together everything they need to do. So their work is now actually not just advised by the system, it's defined by the system. Their work becomes dislodging those red flags or looking at the ones that are orange that might turn into reds. And that's how they approach their work, simply because the system advises them and tells them what they need to do. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of the pieces of uh, ongoing conversations where ha I'm having about automation and artificial intelligence is something that you touched on, is that all of this is leading to a point of where, in theory, where we, we'll get more time to be more human by automating and through AI. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, right. And sometimes people sort of get this a little backwards in my view. They started the debate, the essential debate with the AI, and I've seen this for 30 years, whether they're going to replace humans. And that is so, besides the point of what it's doing today, you know, it's just allowing people to look at this and stop doing things that they've never wanted to do. And uh, it allows people to get off the production line. Everybody wants to get off of it. And there you have it. You found another reminder that some forms of intelligence are just simply artificial by listening to us talk about artificial intelligence and business management systems here on Pod 2112. I want to thank our guest, Vijay Saram of Zoho, and I want to thank all of you for joining us on Pod 2112, a production of the 2112 Group, a business research and strategy firm. Join us again when we talk with industry executives and thought leaders and influencers about the market and the world around us. And don't miss a single episode of Pod 2112. Subscribe today on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the 2112 Group services, email us at info at the2112group.com. And hey, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Thanks again. I'm Larry Walsh.